Un momento, por favor. Fighting a cold? Like many, I'm sure. Wow. That's awesome. I, I never tire of the amazement of how full I feel, how full I feel <laughs> when I felt when, when we praise Him. It's, just, it's an amazing kind of miracle, spiritual thing that's kind of hard to explain to people who have never experienced it. Giving everything to Him and just saying, you are awesome, is like, whew, I can't hold it all in. <laughs> it's amazing. So, I'll try to pull myself together. So, good morning. Uh, I want to talk this morning about the faithfulness of God. And something God put on my heart recently, and I was just thinking about some things, and um, we're going to be probably somewhat a little short today. You're welcome for, uh, for corporate prayer. Time left, but we'll, we'll get through this. Um, the faithfulness of God is such a foundational and important attribute of God. It's where we find comfort in that, that unending, unchanging love of God. That's what we rely on, is faithfulness. When we find hope in the immeasurable, inexhaustible grace of God, it's faithfulness that we're trusting in. Faithfulness of God, there's two kinds of attributes of God. There's what's called communicable and incommunicable. The communicable are the ones that we get to share in. They're, we're going to get from the fruit of the Spirit and things like that. There, there are things like love and kindness and goodness and things that are part of God but we get to be a part of. And there's the incommunicable uh, attributes of God, like His omniscience, His omnipresence, um, His eternality, His impeccability where He can't sin and, flaw, and no flawless and all those things. So there's kinds of different kinds of attributes. And the faithfulness of God is one of those communicable attributes that we get from God but the reason why I was looking at it this week is it's an attribute that in its own way is special and unique, but also supports his other attributes. It has an effect on his other attributes. You know, when we think of the love of God, it's beautiful, it's precious, it's pure, but it's his faithfulness that makes the love never end. When we think of the grace of God, which overcomes everything and constantly is there, it's grace but with faithfulness, it never ends because he's always persistent. He can't deny himself. When we think of the mercy of God, knowing that every single time we go to him for forgiveness, he's going to. It's mercy that forgives us, but it's faithfulness that says he will always forgive us. He will always forgive us. He never tires of giving us those second chances. I lost count of how many second chances I've had. Right? Second chance after second chance. Thank God he doesn't count more than two. Every time it's a second chance. His righteousness, his mercy, his loving kindness, all these things. And this is not a comparison of attributes to say faithfulness is more important than any other attribute. I'm just looking at faithfulness as, it, as itself and what it is and what it does. And it's such an important attribute. We, we rely so heavily on faithfulness when we look at all the other things that we praise God for. We worship God this morning. One of the themes was, was uh, peace with God. It's his faithfulness that peace continues on. That says, that you, once you have peace with God, you will always have peace with God. Because he won't change. He's the same. So what we're going to do this morning is take some time and look at some of the uses in Scripture 
where we see faithfulness so we get an understanding what God means by faithfulness. And then we're going to kind of grow and expand a little bit into how that applies to us. So we could look at Psalm 36, please. And you know, you'll find, like everything in the scriptures, give me for the cough drop, chewing. Sometimes you think something like faithfulness off the top of your head, like I get that I know that, it's a simple thing, I look at it, and boom, 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 I got it. But the scripture is full of God's faithfulness. It's all through the Old Testament, it's all through the New Testament. Everything touches and is touched by God's faithfulness. It's an unending, inexhaustible thing to look at. It's not a simple little thing like, well, he's always the same, so he's faithful. It's, it's huge, it touches everything. So, forgive me for the things that I limited it to, but I just wanted to find some encouragement in understanding what God means by faithfulness. So in Psalm 36, in verse 5, Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. The Hebrew word that's used here is pronounced emunah, and it gives the idea of firmness and security. You'll find it's also frequently used for truth a lot of times. So like in Psalm 33, it says, For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. It's the same word. So why does faithfulness and truth, why not just, because there is another word that Hebrew has for truth, for things that are true and factual. So why would they use the same word when they're talking faithfulness or it's translated truth? What's the idea that they're trying to get across? Well, truth is something that doesn't change. A truth is a fact that doesn't change. It has nothing to do with opinion, right? People, people will argue opinions, you know, was Jeter's flip a great player? Was it just kind of not? See, that's for you, buddy. But, you know, you, you can argue that was it a great play. But what's inarguable is that Babe Ruth was the greatest baseball player of all time. You can't argue that because he so surpassed all his peers for any generation compared. No players matched what he did. So we have truths and we have opinions. A truth is something that doesn't change. It's fact. It's more than just right from wrong, right? It doesn't, it doesn't change. It's stable. It can be dependent on always to be. You can use any language you want, but two plus two is always going to be four. It's a truth. It's a fact. So when we look at the faithfulness of God reaching to the clouds, he's talking about the security of God, the stability of God. That he doesn't change. And this attribute goes beyond what we can see or measure. His mercy is found in the heavens, which can't be measured. And his faithfulness is to the clouds. You can't catch the clouds. You can't stop the clouds. You can't hold the clouds. So we find in this consistency of God, his moral fidelity as well, that there's a steadiness to it. There's a comfort we can take in it. Turn with me to Psalm 89, please. And we're actually going to look at this psalm um, later, if time allows, in more depth. But just looking at verse 14. 
Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Truth, again, it's a Hebrew word, ameth, but it's often used as faithfulness. So depending on which translation you have, if you've got an ESV or a New American Standard, you actually might have faithfulness in your, in your Bible. So why is truth and faithfulness again? This word speaks more to stability and trustworthiness. Trustworthiness. You know that you can trust God. You can hold fast that what he said will always be. Because he doesn't change. Because he's faithful. There's a consistency found in the promise of God. Let's turn over to Psalm 91, please. Psalm 91. Verse 4. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Anybody have faithfulness there? So again, it's a translation thing, right? But it's, it's an interchangeable word. Truth and faithfulness. This one is to build up or support. But it also is used for a, for a parent's nursing, right? For the, for the nursing care of a parent. And what does he say? Um, you cover me in your wings. So now the faithfulness of God, on top of stability and unchanging and trustworthiness, we see is, is a protector. The faithfulness of God actually protects us. And you know, this, this, word, is kind of, this word is used a lot in, in Scripture in the, in the Old Testament. One of the most interesting places I found it is in the story of Ruth. At the very end, you're nodding, you know where I'm going, right? So at the end, after Ruth marries Boaz and they have Obed, David's grandfather, Naomi, her mother-in-law, takes the baby and nurses. That's the word here. That's supplying, nurturing care that the, that the child needs, the nutrition, but the protection and everything that it needs. That's found in the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God is what is providing for us. It's safety. He surrounds us like a bird with its feathers and protecting us. In Deuteronomy, turn to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 7, please. No matter how I try or how many times I've looked, it is always after numbers. <laughs> it is not before Exodus. All right, Deuteronomy 7, verse 9, a verse that we know, you know really well. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. Therefore know, know, that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. The faithful, trustworthy God. He wants to be known. And this is what he's telling them as he's sending them in, giving them command to conquer Canaan. Know that your God, he is God. Now he could have said the merciful God, the patient God, the redeeming God, and he doesn't. He calls himself 
the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy. Every promise of God is what he wants us to rely on. Every time we feel insecure, he wants us to go back to him and say, he says, I'm the faithful God. You need to rely on me. You need to trust in me. They're being sent into a very concerning conflict. God's telling them to go take that land, conquer that land. It's people that you don't know. They may be bigger and better and stronger than you. But trust me, for I am the faithful God. The idea that God is established. He is set. He is consistent. And he will not change. One of the other interesting things about studying faithfulness is I found that there's a lot of ands. Faithfulness is frequently or sometimes not by itself. And so if we look at Psalm 40, for example, Psalm 40, a great psalm of encouragement, verse 10. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. Your faithfulness and your salvation. Why are those two put together? Again, God God could have it written any way he wants with different combinations. Faithfulness and salvation go together in the eyes of God. Faithfulness is consistent promise to be a saving God. I will save you. I will redeem you. That's That's a combination that God puts together. So when we look at the salvation of God, whether it's eternal deliverance or today's problems, He's faithful. He wants us to know that he's going to be consistent in the same and you can count and depend upon him in this thing. Turn me over to Psalm 89. This is actually God speaking in verse 24. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name his horn shall be exalted. Talking about the future king that was promised, the Messiah. My faithfulness and my mercy. My faithfulness and my mercy. When God wants us to think of his mercy... He wants us to remember that his mercy is always tied with his faithfulness. You can count and depend on God being merciful in your time of need, in our time of brokenheartedness, in our time of needing comfort, in our time of needing loving kindness. You know, this word mercy is often used, sometimes translated as loving kindness. God's loving kindness towards us. He wants us to know. He's putting it together in a conjunction. Did I use that right, Jay? No. So, my son's always correcting my English, but um, I took a shot at it. But they go together. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Faithfulness and mercy, they always go together. Isaiah 25. 
Verse 1. O Lord, You are my God. I will exalt You. I will praise Your name. For You have done wonderful things. Your counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. Now God's putting faithfulness together with truth. And actually in this case, the word truth here actually means truth. It's simply what is right, what is true, what you know is a fact. What does he say? Your counsels. So when we go to God and we say, God, what do I do here? What is your word telling me? God, I need to make a decision here. I'm seeking you for counsel. You know what you know? It's going to be right and it always will be. It always will be. There's nothing we can ask of God in our need of help, a time of trouble, a time of confusion, where we need to look to God and say, God, what do I do here? He will always provide the answer. And the answer will always be the true answer, the right answer, the only answer. And it always will be. So God puts together these things because he wants us to recognize that in all things that pertain to God, he is faithful. In Proverbs 16, verse 6, it says, In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord one departs from evil. Truth is the same word we were looking at before. In mercy and faithfulness, atonement is provided for iniquity. We know, we know that God's provision for atonement with his mercy, by his mercy, will be. No one should ever think, God, am I? God, are we right together? Because anyone who goes to God and seeks his mercy will find it. It's in mercy. It's the faithfulness. It's anyone who comes to my son will find mercy. Anyone who seeks my son will find mercy. Atonement is provided. And he never changes that. Never changes that. We'll take some time now to look at some New Testament thoughts. So turn to Romans 3, please. There's pretty much two words found in the New Testament that will speak to faith or faithfulness. One, I believe it's pronounced uh, pistis, pistis, is actually 99% of the time seems to be used when speaking of someone's faith. Right? When Jesus says uh, to the hemorrhaging woman, your faith has made you well, he's talking about that word. When he's talking about the centurion, I've never seen such faith in anyone, he's talking about this word. But look what we have in Romans 3, we're beginning in, in verse 1. What advantage then has the Jew, or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Interesting use of that word in that instance by Paul. But not only does it speak of 
someone having believing faith. But it talks about fidelity. That's really what he's talking about. God made a promise, and regardless of the Jews' unbelief and their behavior and their rebellion, his promises hold true. He's faithful. He will hold to that. God doesn't need anyone else or anything else they do. It doesn't depend on anyone else or anything else they do. Not a nation, not a person, not a church, not a people. God's faithfulness is dependent on him because he is faithful. It doesn't have anything to do with them. Their rebellion and unbelief, whether it was in the wilderness or the cause the... Um, captured by the Persians, etc. didn't change the faithfulness of God. They had to deal with the repercussions of their behavior. And God in his faithfulness was just. But it doesn't change the faithfulness of God. God still held true to his promise that a Messiah would come. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, please. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. We'll start with actually verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified just as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. When we go back, see, Paul, Paul's able to say that. Paul's able to stand upon that. Paul's able to have comfort in that and confidence in that because of all the things he's looked at and known all his life. Every promise of God, everything God's done throughout history, everything God's promised through his word that he's actually brought to fruition, every comfort of God, he's able to stand and go, God is faithful. And if you are standing up for God, he will establish you and he will guard you. The trustworthy, dependable, unchanging God. He never leaves those who he's put in his care. And that's the word here, pistos, means trustworthy. The Lord is faithful. If you see here what he's saying, though, it's not just if you're standing up. He's saying, the Lord, who will establish you? He puts you in place. Do you realize that? Do I realize that? Where we are is where he has established us. So when things get hard, we know that the faithful God will guard us and keep us. The faithful God will guard us and keep us because he's the one who put us here. Where are you at your job? Where are you here at Brantford? Where are you wherever you are? You know you're there because God put you there and established you? He didn't promise everything would be easy. He didn't say, follow me, and everything's butterflies and rose gardens. It's actually just the opposite for us. But what you know is that he will guard you and he will keep you. And in this specific instance, he's saying from the evil one. Who's the one who wants to stop us? 
Who's the one that's trying to subvert his work through us? It's the evil one. But God, the faithful God, the faithful God is the one who will guard us and he will keep us. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2, please. In fact, Paul uh, writes to Timothy here, and he's actually uh, putting some other thoughts together into this faithful saying, beginning in verse uh, 11. In fact, we're going to start with uh, 1. We'll start chapter 2, verse 1 of 2 Timothy. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who will listen to him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, who was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. He knows that we struggle. If we could be faithful and trust in God where we really have needed a Savior, if anyone could, we're going to stumble. God knows that. We're going to hit our moments of, God, I don't know. God, why is this? God, why are you allowing this? God, I don't know if I can do this anymore. God, why, why, why? But as Paul says, he remains faithful. He remains faithful. Don't, don't let the discouragement stop you from what God has you to do. Remember that he is faithful. And he is going to support you to get done what he's put you in place to do. He's going to support you. And then, of course, there's one that's really important we know. First John chapter 1, we'll read it anyway. First John... Again, faithfulness from God is, is a critical component to the encouragement that we need sometimes. And in verse 8 of 1 John chapter 1, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful 
and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't need to be afraid when we've sinned. We don't need to hide our sin. We don't need to even be ashamed of our sin, so to speak. We should always be ashamed of our sin, but in the context, not where we think, I can't go to God with this. No, just the opposite. Run to God with it. Run to God with it. You know why? Because he is faithful to forgive. He already knows what we've done. (laughs) We're not hiding anything from God. Ever. So why have your relationship with God broken when he's the God who's saying, come to me, I want to forgive you. I want to forgive you. You know what? Because it's the character of God. I wouldn't even call it a burden upon God. Because the God who is merciful and faithful wants to forgive. So there's nothing that should hold us back in our relationship from God. We should run to God. Say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up. And be lifted up. Remember the God who takes in the wings and nurtures and cares for. That's the God we run to. We say, God, I'm sorry. God, I screwed up. Sometimes we say, God, I'm sorry. I didn't realize what I was doing. Some say, God, I didn't know what I was doing. I did it on purpose. It doesn't matter. Because he is faithful and just to forgive us. So just run to him. He is the trustworthy, nurturing God who will not change. He cannot deny himself. We just read that. I want to now look at Jesus Christ as the representation of God's faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 2, please. Really should read the whole chapter, but for time's sake, we're just going to kind of jump down to verse 17 of chapter 2 of Hebrews. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Now, we see the faithfulness of God, this character, this attribute, this immutable thing that will not change, we see in Jesus Christ. And the first instance we see it in is as high priest. He's the faithful high priest. What's the role of the high priest? To go bring the offering for the people. Jesus Christ, we have a high priest who does not need to bring atonement for his own sins. For he is sinless. So he knows. He's merciful and faithful. He, he aids those who are tempted, like me, to bring propitiation on my behalf. He is my propitiation. He's the enduring, eternal high priest. Faithful in every way in the role of the high priest. He intercedes for us constantly, faithfully, without change, without error, without fatigue. Jesus Christ is the faithful high priest. Chapter 3. Just move down. Next verse. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him 
who appointed him also as Moses was faithful in all his house. There's a faithfulness to Jesus Christ, to his Father. That's why we can go to him as Savior. He has the exact same faithful attributes that the Father has. And he relays them back to the Father in faithfulness. He was appointed to be the high priest. He was appointed to be the Messiah. And he's faithful in every way in completing all the works that go along with being the high king and the high priest. Revelation chapter 1, please. Verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and made us kings and priests to his God the Father, and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Faithful witness. Jesus Christ is the absolute, complete, whole perfect witness to the faithfulness of God. And anything we're looking for in the faithfulness of God, you find it in Jesus Christ. He is the testimony that God is a faithful God. You want to find, if God is merciful, you find it in Jesus Christ. You want to find if God is gracious, you find it in Jesus Christ. You want to find that he is faithful, Jesus Christ came to take our sins. You want to know if God really meant to redeem us, if he really cares that much about us? Do I, do I really know that God is that faithful, that he cares that much about me, that he wants me that badly? Look to the cross. Look to the cross at Calvary. You want to see the faithfulness of God? He's perfect. He is the perfect, faithful witness. Endure me one more, please. Revelation 19. I'm guessing you're guessing. But I know where you're guessing. I'm guessing I'm going. Revelation 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. His, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. Jesus Christ is, is faithful and true. He holds that name. Only he can hold that name. I had more, but I'm going to sum it up. I just want to encourage us with some reminders. God's faithfulness is his testimony to his name's sake. It represents who he is. 
He cannot be God if he's not faithful. He could be merciful, he could be kind, he could be the creator, but faithfulness is a major part of all those things because it means he doesn't change. It's one we can depend on. We don't need to ask God, will you be merciful today? How's your mood? He is faithful to be merciful every time. It's not dependent on us. We cannot alter or affect the faithfulness of God. Find peace in that. How I was today. When I am faithless, he is faithful. He's not depending on me for his faithfulness because he cannot deny himself. Through everything he's done, he is faithful. I'm going I'm to close. What I was going to go to, um, I'm just going to leave this with you. If you want to do this, I'll encourage you. Read Psalm 89. Psalm 89 is written during captivity. And to sum it up for you as you look at it, Ethan is the writer of the psalm, and he begins the first half of the psalm proclaiming God for his goodness and his mercy and his loving kindness. And, re- and he even speaks of, you promised a king would sit on the throne, but we're, <laughs> we're in captivity and, and our city's in ruins. But you promised it. But he worships God first. He worships God first. says, you are our God. And he actually begins verse 1, I will sing of the mercies of God. And then he goes, God, why are we in this condition? Where are you? You promised a king. But he ends with, blessed be the name of the Lord. It's okay to say, God, why? Don't doubt him. Do not doubt him. Hope and look for what he has for us in whatever we're in. But know this, that he is faithful. Do not doubt that he is not there. Do not doubt that he is not holding your hand. He's not got his wings around you, protecting you. He's not nurturing you. That is who he is. That is our faithful God. I'm going to close in prayer, and then uh, we'll get into corporate prayer time. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are the faithful God. I know, Lord, in these 30 minutes, I haven't even scraped the surface of the depth of your faithfulness. And thank you for that. Thank you that I know there is such depth to everything there is about you that we just spend eternity, our life, trying to figure that out. So thank you for what you've made us know. Revealing yourself as the faithful God, the true witness. Thank you for Jesus Christ, who has fulfilled and shown us the faithfulness of God by coming here, being sinless, redeeming us, our propitiation, who satisfied your need. Thank you, God, that you were faithful because you promised one, and we have found it in Jesus Christ. So, Lord, strengthen us in our weakness. May we remember that you are faithful. Thank you that it is not dependent on us. So we glorify you this morning for who you are. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are going to pray till 20 after, and I'm going to ask Johnny to close. Do you mind? Yep. Never make eye contact in corporate. <laughs>